Welcome to the Money and Meaning Show. I'm your host, Kenei Quarter, National Certified Counselor and the world's number one clinical financial hypnotherapist. Each week, I'll share with you the research I'm uncovering as I chronicle the search for meaning over money. My interviews, tips, and resources will help you determine what you need to get the most out of your practice and your life. Because life is about more than money. It's about meaning. So let's get into today's show. Happy Financial Awareness Month, my prosperity pros, and welcome to this episode where we're going to talk a little bit about cryptocurrency. I say a little bit because I don't want you to listen thinking that we're going to talk deep into what cryptocurrency is and blockchain. And if you are a crypto expert, you'll probably, this is kindergarten for you. I'm just going to be telling my crypto journey. And we have a special guest, our CTO, who you heard from last year is here. He's going to be talking about his crypto journey. And then we might talk a little bit about how our crypto journeys collided or, you know, merged. So, and then from this, I don't know that you'll walk away saying, I know so much more about crypto as much as you'll say, I know so much more about the possibilities of what I can do with crypto. That's really my goal. So let's get started. Let me first introduce our special guests. For those of you who didn't listen to last year's episode, we added a CTO who was also my boyfriend to Presidential Lifestyle last year. And he has he is a data scientist by day. And then in his other time, nights and weekends, he is the CTO of Presidential Lifestyle, helping us analyze our data so we can get the most out of that information. Is that right? Could you say that better, Jason? No, that was perfect. Oh, cool. Okay. So, guys, introducing... That's my drum roll. Jason! Hey, everybody. That's, yeah. that's definitely the best intro I've had since the last intro you gave me. <laughs> the last intro was better, though. Oh, hard to top. <laughs> exactly. So, I do need to give you guys a caveat, though. We have our grandson in town who is right now asleep. We don't know how long that's going to last. So when he wakes up and says, BB, Nick, then we have to go. Well, Nick has to go. Oh, that's our names. That's what we call it. Okay. <laughs> I think I should explain that. <laughs> this is supposed to be about crypto. I know, but, I do, but they at least need to know that because when they hear BB, Nick, and then you have to go, they need to know why. Yeah. Otherwise, he's going to join and they are not going to understand his crypto journey. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's jump into it. I would like to start by saying that what crypto is to me. Would you would you like to give your definition of what you think crypto is or sure. what crypto is to you? Okay. So I say when people ask me, like, well, what is cryptocurrency? I say it is another form of payment. And right now, it is becoming an acceptable form of payment. So years ago, 10, 15, whatever, when it started, it wasn't an acceptable form of payment in mainstream. There were people who were accepting crypto as a form of payment, just like years and years ago, credit cards were not an acceptable form of payment. But they eventually became, so Visa, MasterCard, American Express, Discover, those are household names. And you don't think twice about using that form of payment. 
Now crypto is new and it is another form of payment. Now, I also use another definition. A couple of years ago, I recorded a video and I said that look at crypto as sort of a collectible, the same way you would look at a Susan B. Anthony or a $2 bill. Because at the time, there weren't very many ways to spend your crypto. You were just getting it, acquiring it the same way you would a Susan B. Anthony. And so I said, look at it as a collectible, but that is probably not true anymore because you can use it. So kind of look at at it as a collectible, but also look at it as a form of currency or payment. Now, the reason why I say look at it as a collectible, because a lot of people are just holding on to it and letting it rise because that's what it's doing. When, when this whole journey first started with crypto, it was pennies. And now it's, is it 60,000 now, babe? I don't follow it like that. You do. Yeah, just short of 60. Yeah, exactly. So 60,000 USD is the equivalent of one Bitcoin, I should say get real specific with that. So I also want to talk after you explain what you would say crypto is to you. I want to talk about Bitcoin and because people think cryptocurrency is Bitcoin. So I want to talk about that next. What do you think? That makes sense. And okay. I, guess, I guess for me, the, when, you know, I guess when I'm first talking to people or people, you know, everyone asks, are you into crypto? Are you into crypto? I I take a step back and just make sure that we're talking about the same thing and that they understand that cryptocurrency and blockchain aren't necessarily the same thing mm-hmm. and that there's ways to be involved in this kind of blockchain revolution without being involved in the kind of currency, money aspects, central banks, all that kind of stuff that that, that gets into. Because I think that whether or not you think that you know, someday in the future, we'll all be buying houses with Bitcoin or grocery shopping with some other cryptocurrency. You can leave that aside. But I think one thing that's you can't argue with is the fact that blockchain and that technology is going to revolutionize everything, the, the, the way we do everything from banking to mortgaging to renting cars to healthcare to to everything else. So for me, I just like to make sure that we're talking about the same thing. You know, when people say, are you into this? Are you into that? That we're talking about, okay, the currency application of the Bitcoin tech, I mean, of the blockchain technology, rather, if that's what we're talking about, um, then we can at least be, you know, talking apples to apples to apples, I guess. But for me, I think that currency is probably just the easiest way to understand the technology because everybody uses money it's pretty you know common use case whereas some of the like supply chain applications or some of the other stuff that you can go down the rabbit hole in gets a little bit harder to understand how it all works yes you can say that again and i would say that there are probably a couple of different people listening there are people who are already i'm not going to say experts but very knowledgeable in this blockchain crypto space and they really don't need an explanation and then there are people in the middle like me that have some knowledge of it not deep but can at least you know be dangerous with it for you know enough knowledge to be dangerous and then there are the the people who don't know anything about it and trying to explain it to them at this point i don't know if you guys heard bb (laughs) i'll take a short commercial break Okay, take a short commercial break. I'm going to go, I'm going to keep going and then you're going to come back? Sure. Okay, cool.
Okay, so during this commercial break, I'm going to explain that a little bit more because some of you are probably like, wait, what just happened? So remember earlier when I said that we have our grandson in town, so it was spring break, our grandson was here. We were trying to figure out how to work and be grandparents at the same time because we're young grandparents. I don't know how many of you know, I have adopted twin daughters. My daughter's married and has two kids and one of them. And so she needed a break. And so we we really wanted to hang out with our grandson because he's super cool and a lot of fun. Five years old, but he takes all of your attention. And for those of you who have five-year-olds or who have had, and Jason had a five-year-old, I did not. Actually, he had four or five-year-olds, but I did not. I my, my daughter who came to me first, and I'll explain the adoption story later and I'll have her on the show, but she was 16 when she came to me and then her twin sister later came years later. But that's what you're experiencing. Us try to work and have a five-year-old in the house and it's just not part of our normal life. And we put him to sleep early, you know, late last, early last night. And so we were trying to get up, do our meditation, do our morning routine and get this episode recorded. So there you go. Backstory. Now let's get back to the show. And Jason will come back in just a second after we get Alec all squared away. Oh, and Nick and BB. He calls us Nick and BB. That's the names that he likes to call us. And so, because we didn't want to be called grandma and grandpa. I mean, come on. I am not a grandma. Not yet. I mean, I am, but like, you know, I'm BB. So, and BB is, is grandma in Swahili. So technically I'm still being called grandma, but I just like to, I, I like to be less grandma-ish if I can right now, maybe 10 years from now, we can switch that. All right. So those of you who came for crypto, let's get back to that. Let me see. How do I want to explain this? I say this when it comes to, so Nick will come back, uh, Nick, <laughs> Jason will come back and he will go deeper into his, cause he got cut off and he can go deeper into how he looks at crypto as a currency. But I said we would go forward and look at the differences. So sometimes when people hear crypto, they're thinking Bitcoin only. Now, the experts in the room listening or, you know, the the advanced, you're like, duh. But for those of you just starting, you're like, oh, I thought there was only one cryptocurrency, which was Bitcoin. No. So personally, I have I own about 10 different coins and I own them in different wallets. So wallets would be sort of like bank accounts. So in my Coinbase account, uh, oh, okay, Nick is back. Hold on a sec. All right. So Grandpa Nick is back. (laughs) I'm just kidding. (laughs) So Jason is back. And so, babe, I was explaining kind of the different cryptocurrencies and how people when they hear crypto, they immediately think Bitcoin, but Bitcoin is not the only one. And I was just telling the people that I own, I think I own like 10 or something. And when I say like 10 is because it might be 12. I haven't counted and I didn't even think to count before doing this episode. So I own quite a few, but I own them on different wallets. And I was explaining to them that wallets are like bank accounts basically, but you could probably do a better job. That's just my way of explaining it to people who are in the same place I am and not experts. Go ahead. I'll just see where you are and then chime in at the end. 
Okay, cool. So as I was saying, I have about 10 or 12 coins spread out over three different wallets. I have um, a Coinbase account, which that the link to that will be in the show notes. And there I have like three or four different, and I, and I have their basics, you know, Bitcoin, Ethereum, Litecoin, and I think my XRP might be there. No, I think my XRP is an atomic wallet. So then I have another one in the atomic wallet. There's no link for that. So I'll, I'll see if I can get you a link for that. But atomic wallet is another one that I have. And I have a couple coins over there. And one thing about atomic wallet that I like is I have a couple of coins that I am staking. Right, honey? Yeah, yeah. that's right. <laughs> <laughs> and so I allow them to use those coins. And I'm going to go deeper in that. I want to put a pin in that and come back to staking. Okay, Jason? Got it. So I said that. And also what's happening on Atomic Wallet is not every coin is available on every exchange. So on Atomic Wallet, I have a couple that are a little bit more rare. If you think of them like coins, that's the only way I could think of them. But they're available there and, and they are kind of under the radar. So one would be Digibyte. And Digibyte is a little bit under the radar, but it's growing and more people are getting to know about it. And I put some money there because I did feel like I was a little late to get into Bitcoin because I didn't get into this until two or three years ago. Like 2018 was when I just really started getting some information and deciding I was going to go into it. And then 2019, I did. Now, I want you to understand that I didn't dump a bunch of money into this. I started with like $25 on a Coinbase account. And then I put a couple more dollars and a couple more dollars, a couple more dollars. And then I moved over and I said, okay, I want to get a little bit more savvy. So I got the Atomic Wallet account and it had more coins available to me. And then I got a Webull account, which allows me to do stocks, bonds, you know, mutual funds, ETFs, you know, that stuff, plus crypto. That's another wallet that I have. Oh, and then I have a Bitcoin IRA. Now it's called Bitcoin IRA, but there are different crypto coins in there. And I own a little bit of overlap there. So it's about five or six in there. And I own gold in my self-directed IRA. And that is with Bitcoin IRA, but the custodian is Horizon Trust. I know that was a lot of information, but I just dumped it all on you and we can break it down after Jason explains kind of his cryptocurrency journey and, you know, what coins he started with and what wallets he has. Take it away, baby. <laughs> yeah, I think my journey started probably late 2015, early 2016 is when I think I like really started kind of learning about it. I had heard about it prior to that with like Silk Road and the news and, and some of those early like dark web websites that were using Bitcoin and, and stuff like that. But I'd say around end of 15, beginning of 16 is when I became knowledgeable. And then I probably bought my first coins in beginning of 2017, which was Litecoin. I bought that through Coinbase. And really just as a way to kind of familiarize myself with the technology and, you know, dip a toe in the water kind of thing, I just made a small bulk purchase and then really just held on to those. I still have those, those Litecoin to this, to this day. 
aside from that, I've kind of, me just being a, a research nerd, for lack of a better term, have kind of tried to look at these projects, not just as, you know, the currency applications, but then some of the other ways that you can use the, the blockchain technology. So right now I have um, Litecoin, like I said, I have some Bitcoin, and then I have two or three other what are called, I guess, altcoins, some lesser known tokens, but have different kind of applications. So one that's called Uniswap, which is the thing that you were talking about, Kanae, with the staking, which is similar to like a savings account. I guess if one token that you spend is your checking account, this staking would be similar to a, to a savings account where the exchange lends out your tokens, but then gives you some type of of interest on top of that. So I have one of those kind of coins. And then I have another coin called Cardano, which can be used as a currency, but then can also be used as something which is called a smart contract. Now, maybe you're getting down into the weeds now, but it's basically a way for two computers to come to an agreement and kind of do things without humans being involved, whether that's exchange money or exchange contracts or exchange data. You can kind of do all these things without a human being involved or needing a human to sign off or, or some of those types of things. So my journey so is what you mean bit... by a human is like a third party? Is that, you know, like that a yeah, title I guess... company or an attorney or like that? Exactly, exactly. So in the, in the sense, like, I don't know if you're buying a home and you have a buyer and a seller, you need the bank and the mortgage company and the underwriters and all that stuff to stand in the middle and to make sure everything is, is checking off and, and all the I's are dotted and T's are crossed. In this new kind of blockchain world, the parties will come to an agreement. They'll put that agreement kind of into the code. Okay, you need to have a credit score of this and you need to have this much money in your bank account and your house needs to be appraised at this value and all these different things. And once that's set, there is no human involved. Once you have this amount in your bank account and you meet all of the different requirements, then the contract is, is executed. So it's a way to kind of, and that's what all of this is about, is decentralizing. So not having one bank or one kind of central authority and control of money or in control of contracts or in control of data, it's kind of decentralized. So I'm into the the currency aspects and, and the Bitcoin. I think if anybody is going to get into cryptocurrency, they should definitely have some part of their portfolio in Bitcoin. But I'm also more interested probably and see more opportunities in some of the other applications of the technology as a whole, not just the the money and the currency aspect. Yes, and also that I want to go back a little bit. So you talked about Uniswap and you gave a example of how Uniswap's technology works. So mm-hmm. what Jason really is saying is that when he says he's more into the technologies of it, each one of the coins has a theme or so to speak. I mean, I think you can explain it better. Yeah, a use case. Yeah, them, use case. A use, a use case. case. Okay. So I want them to understand that each coin is not just, oh, I just came up with this coin. It has some sort of background and, and technology mm-hmm. that is associated with. And mm-hmm. what he explained, Unicoin. Unicoin. Oh, Uniswap. Uniswap. <laughs> I sound so old. <laughs> the tweeters, the Twitter thing. Put it on book face. <laughs> exactly. So Uniswap, what he just explained was their 
technology and, and what they stand for and you would use or you would invest or you would buy Uniswap if you say, oh, this looks like a good technology that is going to be in the future and I can see them growing and I want to be a part of it. And But you could also use the technology itself. You can back the technology, you can utilize the technology. So what I wanted to give you is a, a bigger, broader picture of what he was explaining is that, yes, there is the cryptocurrency part of it, but there's also, there's actual technology that the tech nerds of the world are really excited about. And that's what will make the cryptocurrency itself grow. Is that okay explanation? Yeah, and I, and I think, but I, I think at the same time, you know, just to speak in defense of the of the techno nerds, is that it makes it understandable for the new investor because really what it comes down to is, do you think that this application of the technology makes sense? For instance, you had mentioned XRP, which is the Ripple token, which their coin is for exchanging large values of money across borders so now in order to send a payment from the united states to ireland you got to send it from you to your bank to the central bank from the central bank to the ireland central bank to the local bank to the person that you wanted to get it to or what if there was a token that you could just send you know large amounts of money from one country to another country and there isn't a central authority in in the middle Hmm, that makes sense okay well then invest in ripple or no that doesn't make sense you you go on to the next one digibyte or litecoin or cardano or what have you so each one does have its own kind of use case but i think that's what makes it pretty cool is that you can just think to yourself in your own life experiences does this make sense because some of them get way off into things that quite honestly to me don't makes sense like you know virtual gaming worlds and you can buy you know pretend outfits and send sell it to the next person i don't understand any of that so i don't invest in it but something like bitcoin i I do have a rudimentary understanding of so i do invest in it so i think that you know as wide as the cryptocurrency blockchain world is there really is something for everybody to be able to invest and make some money or learn about this new world that that's coming yeah and i think that because the way you explained it that all of them you know have a theme or certain i'm saying a theme associated with them it it gives you the same way as if you were going to invest in a stock and the company the underlying company and what they do and what they're known for kind of like that so it sounds like we had a grandson encounter. So <laughs> Jason will be right back. Hey there. I know you want to become a prosperity pro. And one of the ways to do that is to take our bunny mentality quiz. Now at Presidential Lifestyle, we call your money personality, your money mentality. And we've learned that your money mentality is your money reality, whether you deserve it or not. Now, in my years of clinical practice, I found there are seven money mentality types. Do you know your money mentality? Well, you should, because not knowing it could be holding you back from getting to your next level financially. Maybe you're a spender or saver, or you could be an enthusiast or a hero. Now, I know you may not have heard of the last two, but if you take the quiz, you'll find out your money mentality. It's easy. 
fun and only takes three minutes because you already know all the answers. Take the money mentality quiz. It'll help you name your money personality so you can tame your thoughts, feelings, and actions around money. So go ahead, take the quiz. The link is in the show notes and you might even want to share it with a friend. In the meantime, what I want to also tell you is that different currencies are are not that foreign. It's just that, especially here in the U.S., we only really deal with USD. We only really deal with U.S. dollars. And if people come to the U.S., they better exchange their money because you can't go to another store. I mean, you can't go to a store and decide you're going to bring euros or any other currency with you. That just isn't a thing. But for those of you who travel, you know, when you go to other countries, you can take your U.S. dollars and decide you're going to spend it around there. Now, they're going to give you their dollars back but or whatever they're called there. They're going to give you their currency back, but you can use your currency. So think of Bitcoin as sort of like the USD of cryptocurrency, because it's going to be the one that it, it was the first, you know, and it is as far as I know, and maybe Jason can clear that up, but it's the first, as far as I know, and it is the most popular and I think it's the highest valued right now. So you can think of the cryptocurrency as what USD is to main or fiat currency is what they call it. I don't use that term very often, but that is what they call it. Are you back, babe? I am back. Okay, cool. So (laughs) did you hear when I was saying that you can look at Bitcoin as like what USD is to mainland currency or fiat currency, like how we can take our US dollars and go to other countries and use them there, but then they're going to give us their money back and or their currency back. And so when when you look at it, US currency or the US dollar is dominant, but it's not the only currency out there, but Americans often believe that it is until we finally travel and go somewhere else. And then we see that there are all these other currencies out there i think i would make bitcoin more analogous to gold well than, yeah then 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 the dollar and then make something like litecoin more analogous to the dollar i mean i think sense. that's good on a nerd basis but for most people they're not even thinking about gold like gold doesn't even come up in their they're thinking. So they're like, oh, gold? Oh, what, what happens with gold? What is gold? They don't, because that, that means we would have to go even deeper to say, you know, US dollar was backed by gold and no, it isn't. But like, I think that would be, would take them too deep. Or am I being? I don't know. You know your audience. I was just saying that in the sense that the, the, the Bitcoin is the one that's most stable. It's the one that has the highest value. It's the one that's most vi- widely used similar to you know gold's history where gold was accepted everywhere in every nation every culture you know they they had some value to to gold yeah and i definitely see what you're saying i just was trying to make it in a way that people today in today's world was already in their wallets was already in their heads and the way that they think of money mm-hmm. but That's yours right. is more accurate like i told them that you would make it more accurate. Yours is definitely more 
precise and mine is accurate. Yeah, that's what you're saying. But you're you're basically just trying to give them the point that the Bitcoin is the most popular, yep. widely used cryptocurrency. Yeah, exactly. And, and oh, really, and really the basis. Oh, now now that that's getting fair to your dollars. We can go back and pick up this conversation when we get back online. But similar to the way that a lot of other economies are kind of based on the dollar, a lot of these other tokens' value is kind of based on Bitcoin. Yeah. Like it goes up and down with Bitcoin. You know, sometimes it'll go up more than Bitcoin and down more than Bitcoin. But most coins have some correlation to Bitcoin the same way that most economies have some correlation to the U.S. dollar. Yeah, that's a great thing. I'm glad you brought that part up, too. You're so smart. That was a good idea. I totally forgot about the movie from last night. Uh, that wasn't my idea. That was his idea. He's so damn smart. It's so wild, the things that he does not forget. That's what I love about kids. They will not let you forget. I tell people, if you want to, you want some accountability, tell a kid. They will say, you said. <laughs> That's their favorite line. Huh? Especially if it's something in it for them. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Oh, but I do want to tell this little sidebar story about how I told, this was like, oh my gosh, make Okay, I'm going to use the term grandma, make grandma proud because he started crying. There was, I think we were at the breakfast table or either lunch table. And so he's crying. Yeah, we were at lunch. And so he's crying about what the food that he has to eat. And so I'm like, you're not going to be able to cry your way through life. Yes, I talk to kids like they're adults. You're not going to be able to cry your way through life. You at least need to learn how to negotiate. And yes, this boy did. He got quiet and he was like, okay. I don't want to eat these, but I will eat another hot dog. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to go with that. Because I gave him tater tots and hot dogs. He ate all his hot dogs and he left the tater tots. And so I was like, you're going to eat these tater tots? And we were fighting about it. And then he was like, no, I'm not. And so I'm like, you're eating. You have to eat more. And so he's like, okay, I will not eat these tater tots. But if you give me another hot dog, I'll eat that. And I was like, all right, let's do it. So I got him another hot dog. He ate his hot dog. He was nice and full. And we went about our day. But I just thought that was so brilliant that he got negotiation. See, people think kids, I bet you if I explain cryptocurrency to children, they would get it faster than adults would. What do you think? A hundred percent. I mean, just like kind of like coding. You know what I mean? Yeah. You put it in a game and a kid picks it up pretty fast. Like Minecraft is nothing but coding, but kids love it. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Oh, I never knew that. Yeah. And even like just the, the phone, you hand him your phone, he'll figure it out. He knows where all the things are. You don't have to really give him any direction. Oh, like the lock. Like he figured out how to unlock the doors because we our house, we have a smart house. He figured out, or I should say our office, he figured out how to unlock the doors without either of us teaching him that, but that's because it's all electronic. This is interesting how they can just adapt really quickly and how we're trying to find a way to give adults metaphors and similes so you can understand this cryptocurrency. When you are a child, there's nothing to relate it to, but somehow you can still understand it. And that is the beauty, but that's what we take away from them. As adults in that programming, you know I'm always going to go back to programming. It will be talked about in every single episode. Don't get mad at me. This is what we do. But programming, we program them to forget how brilliant they are on their own. So talking about 
crypto. Let's go back to that conversation. I just thought I'd bring that up because, you know, people talk about their kids. I talk about my grandkids. <laughs> so, babe, where do we go from here? We talked a little bit about the blockchain. I was just saying you talked a little bit about the blockchain. I talked about how I, I see crypto. You kind of talked about how you see crypto, but then you got pulled away by Alec. And then you came back. You talked about your journey. I talked about my journey. What about, you did bring up the dark web. I think people might want to know more about that because I think when crypto first came out, it was used for some shady deals or whatever. And so then it just got this really bad rap. And that's all that people thought it was only for that, not knowing that there was so much more to it. So do you want to give them just a little bit more color on what you were talking about with the dark web? Well, I guess the... The, one of the most common misnomers, I mean, it was, you know, super prevalent back in the, in the early cryptocurrency days. So like 2014, 15 is that somehow, you know, Bitcoin is anonymous and like, you can just send money. Nobody knows who you are and, and all those kind of things. And I guess that's partially true in the sense that it's pretty difficult to find like the name attached to a wallet but every transaction that you make on any blockchain is recorded anybody that you know it's publicly available so you can always see like oh this wallet sent this amount of money to this person and so forth and so on and then you can go down the rabbit hole of figuring out you know who these people are but i guess the first misnomer is this is all not anonymous it's not as secretive as the news would have made you believe back in 14 or 15 but the dark web is probably i think the estimates are like 90 percent of the internet so the internet that most all of us are aware of and we use is like really only 10 percent of the total internet the rest of it is what's called the dark web so it's where, say, the central banks connect to each other. It's where, like, a lot of the advanced research projects for the United States government are, are stored. They're not going to store that on GoDaddy or on Squarespace. They they have it on the internet, but it's a separate place that you can't go to Google and find these sites. You find these sites through something called Tor. It's an acronym for the Onion Router. And it's basically when you log on to the internet, you're giving what's called your IP address. It's just a way to say, hey, this is who I am and this is where I am. I'm in, you know, Los Angeles and, you know, this is the computer that I'm using and this is the time of day and all this information about you. The Onion Router basically bounces you through different servers so that when you get to your final destination website that you want to go to, it's not giving that website your information. It's giving it some other information that you're just using. So for instance, in Nevada, I want to get to a website that I shouldn't be going to. I don't want my internet people to know that I'm going there. So I log on to this Onion Router, which takes my traffic and bounces it to Venezuela, and then bounces it to Russia, and then bounces it to China, and then bounces it to India, and then to the website that I want to go to. So as far as the website's concerned, this person, this computer is from India, not from where I really am in Nevada. So that's kind of a convoluted explanation of, of the onion router. But in the early days, people were using Bitcoin on this part of the internet to buy everything from stolen identities to drugs to 
guns to all types of nefarious things, which the guy who started the website that was most popular for this is now doing like three life sentences in federal prison. So there was a long period, I'd say 2014 to 2017 or so, when most people thought that Bitcoin was just to do illegal stuff. And then as the blockchain revolution started getting bigger, a lot of those other coins that you were talking about started coming online and people started realizing that there's all these other different use cases for the blockchain outside of sending money illegally from one person to another person. And one of the most interesting ones that I first became aware of was around food. So there's a blockchain application that will allow you when you're in the grocery store, it'll have a QR code on your steak. You'll be able to scan that QR code and see the whole life journey of that steak. What, where did that cow come from? When was it slaughtered? Where was it shipped to? How long has it been since it was killed? You know, all of these different things that just give you more information about it. There's a lot of, I guess, applications to the blockchain that aren't necessarily these kind of illegal things. But originally, that's kind of where the first application came for, from was this dark web was this part of the internet where a lot of the illegal stuff goes on, like the selling of credit cards and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, because um, my identity got stolen off of the dark web before. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, it's everybody's identity, at least partial parts of it has been stolen. You leave way too many crumbs of data all over the places and all these different apps and games and Facebook and Instagram and stores that you log into and websites that you buy and all that kind of stuff. So definitely some part of your identity is on the dark web, almost for certain. Maybe not your social security number, but probably your name and your email address, maybe a password to one of your old email accounts. Um, Probably your birthday because it's on Facebook if you own Oh, for sure. Mm -hmm. For sure. For sure. But I'm glad you brought that up because it made me think of this whole like wealth transfer that when I was at Morgan Stanley, a couple of my clients did ask me about crypto. And that was back in the days when I was describing it as a collectible. And I was kind of like, oh, it's a novelty, you know, oh, get to know it. You, If you're going to do that, do it outside of your Morgan Stanley account. You know, it's not something I would recommend that you do. And this was probably 2013. And that probably, I don't know that that, I didn't know enough about it to, the reason why I directed them in that way was because I didn't know enough about it. And I definitely want to, if I'm going to advise somebody, I want to advise them on something I know, not on something I'm thinking or or considering, and Morgan Stanley wasn't doing any research on it at the time because of all these things, this, 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 no bad reputation that cryptocurrency had. If it had a different reputation, then Morgan Stanley would have gotten into it faster and I would have had education on it, which I'm not a big studier, if that's a, like I was an A student, but it wasn't because I studied a lot. I just happened to memorize things really well. And if I have a discussion with you, I can remember. So I have a good memory. That's what it breaks down to. But I don't study a lot. And 
I think the reason why when you're listening to this episode, I'm like, oh, this is that. And this is kind of like this. And, and, and hey, you're right, babe. And then you're like, yeah. And then you go deep because you studied a lot more than I did. So this is two things that I'm bringing up. I'm bringing the studying up, but I'm also kind of bringing up this wealth transfer thing. So you can go with either one of those, but I want to talk about both of those. Like mm-hmm. one way to go about this crypto journey is to do all the studying and go deep. But another way is to just jump in like a gut person. You're probably, you're more a head person. I'm more of a gut person, but you're, you're a closet gut person because you jump <laughs> <Yeah>. in too. <laughs> but I am gut through and through with a tiny bit of heart in there. But because I'm a gut person, I just jump in. But that makes us a really good team, which we can talk about how our crypto journeys merge and just our investments merge, period, mm-hmm. as a couple in a second. So that's kind of three topics. So there's the study topic, there's the wealth transfer topic, and then there's the merge topic. Okay. Which one do you want to go with first? I'll start with the the study topic. Okay. Because the, the one thing that I would say to anybody listening, if they're like, even vaguely interested in it, but either have only dabbled or haven't touched it at all would be to, I guess, two, two things. One would be Coinbase and open up a small account with even, you know, $25 or something like that. And then within Coinbase, they have an educational program where you can actually get free crypto from learning about crypto. So they have different projects for different coins or different videos out different lessons let me say for different coins you watch a short video you answer the question and then they award you some of that token so that's a good way to one not only learn about it but then two to kind of get you know some of those assets and some of those different tokens and applications for the blockchain um, that you might be interested in but not want to put your whole life savings behind so that would be the the one place that I would say. And another good place to learn is a website called CoinMarketCap, C-O-I-N-M-A-R-K-E-T-C-A-P.com. And that is basically the listing of every single cryptocurrency ordered by market cap size. So Bitcoin would be first because it's the largest. But in there, you can look at the different price movements, but you can also kind of click and go to the websites and look at um, what are the applications, who are the people behind it, who are the customers they have, you know, what are the rules that they have for their cryptocurrency? Because like you were saying, everyone has its own individual use case, but everyone kind of has its own individual rules as well to decide who determines what happens with this kind of blockchain and how many you are awarded and how what's the value and what happens if you break the rules like there's all these different things so coin market cap is a good place to kind of look at the whole landscape and then kind of a single resource where you can kind of learn more about it look at the price over time if you wanted to get techno nerdy about it you can read the white papers and see what the technology is behind it, but really just get a better understanding. So on on learning, I would say open up an account on Coinbase and go through their educational program there. It's pretty simple. You can earn money for learning, which is always a good thing. And then in the, you know, kind of just to go a level deeper would be the coin market cap, um, where you can kind of learn about every single coin that's out there and, you know, kind of look under the hood and kick the tires, so to speak. Um, Absolutely. So that, that would be my advice on the educational side. 
That makes sense. And I will put those links in the show notes. Crypto is one way to get into it is to study it. And kind of like what they say about stocks, like don't invest in anything you don't know. I don't agree. (laughs) So my is invest to know because you just invest a little bit. That was my way of learning. But I'm a gut person and I'm not going to learn by reading, especially having all my, I mean, if, if if, if I liked diagnosis, I would tell you that I am basically on a spectrum. I basically have ADD. I basically have OCD and I'm dyslexic, but I don't do diagnosis. So forget I said all of that, but all of those characteristics go into why I don't study because it is painful for me to study. I don't get anything out of it because while I'm reading, I'm thinking because my brain doesn't turn off and then I don't know what the heck I read. So I'm like, forget it. The best way for me to learn is just to do it. You show me brain surgery. I'm sure I could do it. I know the brain surgeons listening are like, shut the hell up. But I'm just telling you, that's just about how smart I am. But I'm more smart at practical, like just getting my hands in there and doing it than I am at reading it. So where Jason can spit back at you articulately, but because you are great at studying and learning from studying. And so you have to know yourself because Jason knows himself. I know myself. For me, just jumping in was the best way for me to learn it. Now, I didn't jump in fully. I didn't invest hundreds of thousands of dollars in it. I invested 25 and then 100 and then eventually 1,000. And then eventually I put my whole IRA in there. And might I say, it has tripled. (laughs) Yes. Oh, I want to talk about um, taking profits too, babe. I say that to say, know yourself. So I'm going to leave that explanation because you said you did it. You did it justice. You did so well. that I don't need to add anything to that, but learn your way, however you learn. So Coinbase will be one way. I think it's a great way because it's videos and you can just listen and answer the questions. And the questions are in the answers. Wait, the answers are in the questions, right, babe? Yes. Yeah. The the answers are kind of in the questions. So you can really get those coins easily. And then the market market cap, what was it called? Yeah, coin market cap. Coin market cap. I'll put that link in the show notes too. I think that's good too, because you can go deeper and go down those rabbit holes if you like those, because that's going to fill you up and help you feel confident when you are going about it. Because I can't tell you that I always feel confident, but I'm sure that this is the way that I learn. So I do it. And like, kind of like we go about it differently. Like you'll do the studying. And once you do the studying, I'm like, all right, go buy it. And then you're like, buy it. And I'm like, yeah, it sounds like you've got, you understand it and you like it. So let's buy it. And then you're like, all right. And I think that's what makes us a great team. Would you, what would you say, babe? For sure. I mean, well, yeah. What? I mean, you got you. No, I was just trying to put it in the right words. It's like kind of my brain and your intuition together to create like this superpower. Because I can definitely overthink, um, and I think that sometimes you, what is it? You shoot, aim ready, or 
Yeah. Something to shoot, shoot, shoot or something. <laughs> uh, spontaneity is one of your strengths, I would say. Yeah, um, it is. And, and o- overthinking is one of mine. So yeah, exactly. Get the two together. <laughs> yeah. And together we, you help me to slow down and think things through and I help you to jump. It's like, come on, jump. Sometimes <laughs> I just push you in the pool. <laughs> yeah. You just go one to go. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but you usually like it. You're like, oh, the water war- was warm in here. <laughs> it's warm. I like it. <laughs> that could have gone. Yeah. Don't take that conversation any other way except professionally. <laughs> However, we were going to talk about the wealth transfer. Would you like to go there, my darling? Sure. Okay. So there are all these people who have this idea that that crypto is going to be a wealth transfer. And I think because of the terminology and the words, people believe that that means that the haves will lose the money and the have-nots will now a currency and now the the have-nots have it. So then the have the haves will turn into the have-nots and the other way around and I'm like no, that makes absolutely no sense given who the haves are and the way they think and the control and the power they have. I think there will be some money transferring and the have-nots will have the opportunity to get in where they never had it before. But first of all, there's enough in the world for everybody to have something or whatever it is. You put your, you your sights on what it is, your idea of prosperity. But second of all, I know how the haves work and they are, have already started regulating this industry. And so if you thought that there was going to be this transfer from one group to the other, I would like you to think deeper than that. And it might be that the transfer is not just necessarily from one hand to the next, but in different areas of that transferring, you know, where wealth used to be in stocks and bonds, maybe now it's going, the wealth is transferring into other areas. And like we talk about here at Presidential Lifestyle, and that is wealth in all of its forms. I want you to look at that wealth transfer as the wealth is transferring forms. What would you say, babe? That's exactly what I was thinking. I mean, I think that, you know, over the course of time, there there's always a kind of some type of wealth transfer and when a lot of people hear like you said they think like oh the rich people are going to stop being rich and the poor people are going to stop being poor and then they're going to change positions and i don't think that's ever going to happen i think that what we've seen over time is the definition of wealth transferred you know 300 years ago it was the guy that had the most horses was the wealthiest you know maybe a hundred years ago it was the guy that, that had the, the new Model T was the wealthiest. <laughs> In the 80s, it might have been whoever had the most money is the wealthiest. But I think now that we're kind of coming to a time where whoever has the most health and the most time and the most love and, and those types of things is the wealthiest because of things like the blockchain and cryptocurrency that are leveling the kind of economic generation playing field so to speak like for instance with blockchain or let's just say in the 80s 
in order to get into stocks, you would have to have a certain amount of money. You would have yeah. to go into an investment broker. They would have to execute the trade for you. You would basically have to put your trust in them. Mm-hmm. And they would have to put their trust in you almost. It's like, do I want this guy as my client? Oh, yeah, that's Jimmy's son. Sure, come on in. Or, no, I don't know this guy from anybody. I don't want him as my client. Now, I don't need anybody to do that. I can make investments in Bitcoin right here from the comfort of, of my bedroom. I can... I don't need anybody's approval. I don't need anything like that. So in that sense, it's kind of democratized the the wealth generation. But I don't think that there's going to be a transfer of wealth from one class to the other. I think that there's going to be a a continued transfer of what the meaning of wealth is. Mm -hmm. And that blockchain will help you be able to, I guess, get the the money part of your wealth formula rolling because at the end of the day, food, clothing, and shelter does cost money. I don't think we're going to move to a hundred percent bartering economy, but as time and the awakening of society continues, I think that people are starting to define wealth as more than just money and that blockchain is helping democratize the money aspect of wealth so in that sense it'll kind of level the the, the playing field in general yeah i like what you said and i I also will say too like saying when you said in the 80s you needed a broker and now you can just have a webull account like i mentioned and i have that in the the show notes where you can buy crypto and stocks and bonds on your own not it don't need a third party nobody to approve your, your you know prove it and the trades are cheap, you know, and, and I think in Webull, it might actually be free. No, it couldn't be free. I don't know. You're going to get your Webull account and you're going to decide. You're going to study because remember, I'm not the studier. But what I like is that it gives you access. You know, we're always talking about access. And access is what is transferring as well, is what makes that wealth transfer possible is the access. But something else you said about because I think this is important too. You use the example of the Model T. And in that time in America, only wealthy people had cars for a regular or have not to be able to buy in now. That was a transfer of wealth back then too. You know, Henry Ford did us a favor in allowing for that middle class person to be considered wealthy, which didn't happen for a long time. I mean, it was a huge disparity between the middle class and the wealthy and that big giant gap closed. And that is another version of what we're saying or what the terminology means when we talk about the wealth transfer It's also meaning closing that gap. So the gap is not as big between the access that a wealthy person has and the access that a not yet wealthy person has a person that would be wealthy person because you're on your way. I mean, you're listening to this podcast and you're likely listening to other podcasts about money and meaning and prosperity and abundance and stuff like that. And so you're on your way. And this slight education that I'm giving you and deeper education that Jason is giving you, and then all the other resources that you have are giving you more education. So you're able to be part of that wealth transfer, not because you're going to become, leave the have nots and become a have or one percenter or anything like that, but because you are now going to look at the possibilities. What is possible 
for me and my idea of prosperity. Because I always want to bring you back to that because it's not about what I'm doing, what Jason is doing, what any other person is doing. It really is about what's right for you. But I think in us telling our stories, that allows you to see the possibilities. What would you say? Yeah, I mean, it's, I think there's some, that's that's what's so great about blockchain. I think that there's something for everybody, whether you're a gut person or a head person, an active investor or a passive investor, or somebody that wants to push all their chips to the middle of the table or just kind of dabble in and go or, you know, start your, your kids on the journey earlier and give them some of the tools and knowledge that we may have wished we had earlier. There's, there's something for everybody there. So I think it, in mm-hmm. this case, it is one shoe fits all, one size fits all rather. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned that too about the children. Cause that's a good point. I think people might be thinking, is it too late? Right. Is it too late? And first of all, it's not, you can still participate. How you participate is going to be different than it would be if you would have participated earlier, but it's definitely not too late. But I'm glad you brought up with the children because that's important to get your, getting your children involved. It's so early. It's so early. It's like, I think that we are in about internet years in about 1988, 99. So if in 99 or 2000s, somebody looking back, if you would have thought in 2000, was it too late to get into the internet? (laughs) You would say, of course not. It's still not too late. 20 years, almost 25 years later, it's still not too late to get into the internet. There's all these new ways to use the technology. There's all these new, you know, e-commerce sites and stores selling every type of widget you can think of. And so it's not too late. So we're, we're in the early, early, I don't even think the game of crypto has even started yet because, you know, the, the visas and the MasterCards and the all of their, they're just getting started and you know, they take a long time. So I don't think by any stretch of the imagination, are we too late? I think we're still super early. Yeah, I think so too. I'm with you. And what I'm thinking right now is that, you know how we talked about you went a certain way. I went a certain way and somehow we ended up on the same track doing similar things, but we did it in different ways. So we, we said we would touch on how our crypto or just our finance journeys merged. We don't have to go deep into it, but I like to talk about how you did things in your Coinbase. Most of our accounts are individual. Your, your Coinbase account is yours. You know, my Coinbase account is mine, but we also have, we have our own Webull accounts and then we have that combined Webull account where we combine our philosophies. You know, you go do, like I talked about earlier, you go do the studying and then I'm like, okay, go jump. And in that Webull account, we have crypto, we have options trading, we have stocks, bonds, mutual funds, but a lot of times during our morning routine. So our morning routine is meditation, we do lemon water, which is hydration. We watch a video, which we consider activation. The same thing we teach in the Prosperity Club. So we do that. And one of the things we do in our morning staff meeting, that's something that we do try to do every morning. But sometimes we, we'll talk about money. We'll have our, hey, I w- I've been reading about this stock or I've been reading about this cryptocurrency. I'd like to go add it to our account. Then I trust you and your studying 
And I also trust my gut and my intuition. So I listen to you and then I take what I hear from you and to see how it feels in my body. And I'm like, I think that makes sense. So to go along with my trust of you and trust of myself, we usually go in, we dip our toe in first and then we see where it goes. And then we decide if we want to stay there. And if we do, we stay longer. Or if we don't, we come out and we do something different. But we also take profits. This is what I want to talk about taking profits too and, and how we do it. I don't know that they have to do it the way we do it, but I would like to at least share. So what would you say about that merger of, you know, you having your separate accounts, us having that joint Webull account and kind of working it together? And if you want to add anything to what I said? Uh, no, I would just say that, I mean, well, definitely I think that that's one of the things that makes us a good team is that I can go off and do the the research and get all the data and then bring it back to you. And then you can apply your intuition to the data. And in a lot of cases, that allows us to come up with the best solution for that you know specific situation that, that we're looking at. Because it's never black or white. It's usually some version of, of gray. So it's never, you know, head or gut. It's usually some mixture of the of the middle that that gets it to the right point and then the other thing that i would say with i guess with making investment decisions and having i guess having two two separate accounts is at least in my thinking and this is probably backwards and and not wrong not right and probably reveals parts of my psyche but with my account that I kind of learn in and, you know, switch and trade. I'm a lot more kind of gut and just go with what I feel and squeeze the trigger and not worried about downside protection as much because I feel like those are kind of my wounds, I guess. Whereas with our shared account, I'm, I don't want to make a wrong decision. I don't want to be incorrect. So I'm a little bit more hesitant, but I think that at least being able to come to a, or at least to have these kind of staff meetings where we can kind of discuss what our thinking is helps on both sides, whether it's the joint account, the personal account, or or, or the Webull account, or, or whatever. But yeah, figuring out some way to, I guess, marry the two mindsets has been super helpful for, I think, our investing overall, whichever accounts it's in. Yeah, that's true. And that's what I meant when I said you're a closet gut person. <laughs> you just sneaked your gut in there. And I'm like, okay, I see you, gut person. <laughs> I mean, I think that I could easily be a head person, but my gut is just so strong. But because of my head never stops, I could easily be a head person. But I'm just like, shut up. Get out the way. I just push my head out the way. My, my gut is such a bully. It's just like, we'll jump. And then the head is like, but when? <laughs> has to shut up. It's too late. We're gone. We're done. But then the gut along the way is happy I did it. And so I get that dopamine shot. Not every time, you know, I'm not, uh, the gut is not always right. It's just mostly right. Following your gut usually works. But when you follow your gut because you had enough information, it is nothing more rewarding than that. And any gut person will tell you that, especially when you didn't have to do the gathering of the information. <laughs> so 
Thank you, my love. I love that you gathered the information for my gut to work at optimal. See, that's what this whole CTO thing is about. So you kind of like the CTO, the relationship, as well as the company. <laughs> <laughs> I'll put it on my resume. It should. I, that should definitely be on your resume. Even if it's just like a, oh, and by the way, kind of thing. That should be on a resume. There should be a line on resumes that say, oh, and by the way. Yeah. That's really yes. where the important crap is going to go. <laughs> Probably at the top. Yeah. And you know, I hate resumes anyway. So I think that I will, if I was going to ever apply for a job, I would just make like a really cool, funky, like, I don't even care if I'm going for like the most conservative company like Morgan Stanley. <laughs> I would still be really silly, but just to see, you know, just to see what happens. If I don't get the job, good, because I'm not going to not be myself. If you don't like me, you probably shouldn't hire me because I'm so can or like you say, all the way can you know, yeah. but all, you're all the way Jason too, uh, for the <laughs> most part. <laughs> for better or for worse. Right. <laughs> you're all the way Jason with me for sure. Like I get all of you and which is fun because you don't have to temper yourself but I don't either because if you're if I'm going to get to be all the way Kane then that kind of like gives you permission to be yourself. I think that's what people like about me. I just discovered that. Oh my goodness. I'm so glad we had this conversation. Huh. Hmm. Well, episode 140 will be about. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> so true. Okay, so let's kind of wrap this up with I feel like we touched on everything and we better have, because this has been like an hour long episode, one of my longest episodes, but I feel like it was needed. Like nothing we talked about was fluff. We got down into the pieces. So how do we close out? I would just say what I would say. Oh, I didn't talk about taking profits. This is my last thing. And then we'll close out. I will say this. I always take profits. You can decide how you want to take profits yourself. But for me, if I go in, when I go in, whatever I went in with, I'm always going to at least take that. No matter freaking what, I want to feel like I didn't lose any money. So that's my own way. And I feel like when you decide on your profit strategy, you need to figure out what will lower your emotions. The lower your emotions are, the higher your logic can be. And you can take that education, like what Jason does, and you can really listen to your gut and not let your heart or your head get in the way. But when you have a strategy, stick to the strategy, even when it feels a little uncomfortable because you put the strategy in place for a reason. So after I take my initial investment out, what I then do from there is decide, okay, every 10%, I'll take every, I'm sorry, every 50%, I'll take 10%. Every 50%, I'll take 10%. That's one possible way. I'm just saying I always have a percentage that I'm going to take every percentage. So even if I say, okay, every time this money doubles, I'm going to take out 20%. Whatever the strategy is, utilize it in the beginning, decide on it in the beginning, and then utilize it all the way through. And don't change it just because your emotions change. Let the strategy be the strategy. You put it in place for a reason. So that's all I want to say about that. You can add if you want to add to it. 
Fave, if you want to add anything. I have so little to add on profit taking. That's probably the area that I'm most gut in, sad to say. And I need to get better at it. That's probably the only thing I would <laughs> You're like, yeah, you're like 100% profits. I want to take all my money back out. <laughs> <laughs> like, whoa, 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 whoa. Strategy, strategy, strategy. <laughs> we won. Game over. We won. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I want to stay in the game a little bit longer, which, you know, I have a story. And I, I've told you the story, but I just want to tell the, the people. But I have a friend, not a friend. I don't know why I said that. I have a former prospect that came to me because she had invested in Bitcoin when it was $100 a Bitcoin. And she, at the time, had $250,000. And this was just 2018, maybe early 2019. And hopefully, I didn't do what she needed to do because she was trying to go in under the radar. And she thought this whole dark web thing was real and she could exchange her Bitcoin and not be found out. And you had to divulge that myth like, you know, Jason just did a few minutes ago. And so now that she found out that she couldn't do it without being detected, she decided not to do it. Now, hopefully she held on to it because if she did, clearly she's in the millions at this point. But that's the story where you could take profits because $250,000 sounds like a lot to her, given she had, you know, bought it. at a, And I think she put in 10000 So she put in 10000 and made 250 thousand and that in 2018 was a lot but in 2021 yeah if she held on to it she could take 250 and still leave a bunch in and continue her growth that's what i'm talking about and that's why sticking to the strategy is so freaking important and on that note i will drop the mic and say goodbye and say thank you for listening all the way to the end. You freaking rock my Prosperity Pro. I mean, goodness gracious, you are so diligent how you stayed to the end. And I just love you for that. Thank you for being here with us. And babe, did you want to close out with anything or how do you want to say goodbye? See you next time. Oh, you're coming back. Cool. It sounds like yes. To me, that's what I hear. You know me, I never hear. I only hear yes. That's all I hear. So so, I'll see you next time too, hun. All right. Don't say don't sound so excited. All right. There you go. <laughs> okay, guys. We'll see you sooner. Bye. Thanks for listening all the way to the end, my prosperity pro. I want to stay connected with you. Here are four ways. Pick the one that works best for you if you want to stay connected with me. One, if you have any questions, I'd love to answer them. Send them to podcast at presidentiallifestyle.com. I'd love it if you would make a one or two minute audio message and attach it to an email. That'd be the easiest way for me to get it. Ask me anything about creating a life of meaning over money and I'll get you an answer. Remember the email address is podcast at presidentiallifestyle.com. Two, subscribe to this podcast and share it with your friends because you guys might want to have a discussion about it, especially if they're a CEO who wants to shift from the old American dream to a life of meaning. Three, we try not to have any sponsors on this show unless they are truly 
in line with our values. I mean, really a good fit. So that means we fund this podcast ourselves. I'd like you to take a look at our resource page to see if there's any products or services that we recommend that are right for you. If not, no worries, maybe later. If so, please use our affiliate link to purchase. Thank you in advance for doing that. You are such an amazing person. Okay, four and last. If you want to know what's happening over here at Presidential Lifestyle and you want us to email you the update, then go to presidentiallifestyle.com slash blog slash now. And you'll see the current updated blog for the week, but you'll also see a link to subscribe to that blog. We can email it to you if you like. That's presidentiallifestyle.com slash blog slash now. Don't worry. You don't have to remember that link or any links. They're all in the show notes. Oh, and I forgot to say, if you're enjoying this podcast, go ahead and leave us a review and tell us how much you're enjoying it. And now for the legalese. This podcast is not to replace professional counsel. The best advice is from a professional who knows you and your specific situation. The topics discussed in this podcast are general in nature and for informational or entertainment purposes only. We encourage you to meet with a professional that you can discuss your specific situation with. Whether you choose us or someone else, one-on-one counsel is important, whether it's a financial, therapeutic, legal, or other decision. So that's all for now. I'll see you next episode. And remember, you can have wealth in all of its forms. Believe it, and you'll soon see it.